Hello and welcome to the Voices of Black Folk podcast. I'm your host, Will Anyun. I personally think it is fundamentally important that not only do we see, but we hear from those who we aspire to be. On this podcast, I bring together an assortment of phenomenal individuals, whether it be in real estate, whether it be in the nonprofit sector, the private sector, all across the gamut of Black people doing phenomenal things. On this first episode, we have my girl, my sister, Reggie Angelou. Reggie and I first met on the beautiful campus of North Carolina Central University, the greatest HBCU on this side of the Mississippi. And this young lady truly inspired me in so many different ways. Recently, we caught up about her career as both an educator and a musician, and how she's combining both these talents together, not only to create impact in her life, but create impact for the greater community. So sit back, tune in, and listen. This is Voices of Black Folk. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Voices of Black Folk. Today we have a phenomenal individual. Not only is this person an amazing educator, but she's also one of the hottest things on the streets right now in the music charts. And so first and foremost, I just wanna introduce my friend, my good friend, Reggie. Reggie, please tell who is Reggie Angelou? Wow, thank you for that marvelous introduction. You got me feeling like, who are you talking about? Me? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Reggie, and I, Reggie Angelou, I, I really appreciate you introducing me as Reggie Angelou. Um, that is my performance name. Um, you know me as Regina Glover, you know, that's what back in the day. But um, I started doing poetry a couple years ago um, when I moved back to New York. And I was just like, who am I as a poet? Like, what do I want people to think and know and feel about me? What do I want them to expect before they see me? And um, that's where Reggie Angelou came from. Mm. Yeah, so mm. Reggie Angelou. So I have to ask, because I know you probably got this a million times over, and people ask, are you related to um, Maya? <laughs> they do. I, do I, maybe I look like Maya Angelou a bit, and that I'm, I'm honored, um, because I have gotten that a couple times. But nah, no, nah. <laughs> no such, not that kind of royalty. That's not where I come from. But I, I mean, I'm a student. I'm a student of Maya Angelou, you know, her, more her thoughts and just her uh, life and experiences and her cool, you know, even before the poetry, just her as a human and, and the great experiences that she's able to like put out into everybody else's life. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that I get that from her. That's what I've gotten from her. Definitely, definitely. And so walk me through your trajectory a little bit. A lot of people know you as an artist, an up-and-coming artist, but you also got an education track. So walk us through that. I know you're uh, from New York, but like, how did you go from New York to North Carolina to, um, to just moving around the world? Oh, whew. okay. This is a story, and I, I haven't told it in a while. So I thank you for the opportunity to refresh my, you know, you got to come back to these memories. Um, so I'm from Queens. Um, I'm the youngest in my family, so everyone that I know is from New York and lived in New York their whole life, but when in 2000, my mother had a bad car accident, and um, she was unable to walk for a year, and I lived with my grandmother 
for all that time and quite didn't re- really didn't know what was going on. So by the time my mother recovered, she um, she got hit by a car. She physically, while she was walking across the street, got hit by a truck. Uh, I think it was like a, a Escalade or something like that. Mm. It hit her going like 40 miles per hour. And um, so she couldn't afford to live in New York anymore. There wasn't workers' comp, even though she was working for the assemblyman, Gregory Meeks, who got much bigger. But at the time, he was the assemblyman in Far Rockaway. Mm. And... Um, there was no workers' comp. You know, people don't win lawsuits and become millionaires like we all want to believe when you get hit by a car. And um, we couldn't afford to live in New York anymore. So we moved to North Carolina, to Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And that oh. was, I, right? Right? Like, um, for, so I was kicking and screaming. And I, I was just like, oh my God, I want to go back to New York. I was the only one in my family that did not fully grow up in New York. But that experience for me, um it it was just a complete life changer like i I, i'm also the only person in my family that was able to go straight to college and then you know just go through my education and and have all these opportunities and i think it was because i moved away from new york because there are um opportunities are overlooked for black children you know, it's just kind of bypassed. There's there's so many other things to push us towards that their that education is kind of last. Now they got this, you know, like kind of mantra, college for everybody. But and that's not the best thing either. But it's that that wasn't the case like in 2000. That wasn't the case in the early 2000s and things like that. So um, moved to North Carolina. It, the first time I had heard of an HBCU, like my sister, my cousins, and everybody else that was older than me that lived in New York had never heard of an HBCU. So if it wasn't for moving to North Carolina, I would have never known about Black universities. I went to an HBCU, um, and the the experience and everything that came with that, built these networks and just learned more about myself and my placement in the world and the possibilities and all the things that I could be and could do. Um, But I majored in history. So I don't know what I thought I was going to do with a major in history, but um, I didn't really have a plan. Like in school, I didn't have a plan for what I was going to do in school. But when I was, it was my senior year and I'm like, all right, you know, got to do something like what I'm about to do. Um, A good option was a teaching program. It was like, oh, you teach, your student loans are going to get paid back. You know, it's a decent job. You can do that. And then you can move to a different city, like there are opportunities. So um, I was looking at Teach for America, New York City Teaching Fellows. Teach for America didn't accept me or either they did accept me, but they were trying to send me to Mississippi or something like that. And I was like, no, what? I ain't going to Mississippi. So I did New York City Teaching Fellows and moved back to New York. So once I moved back to New York, the teaching program also comes with a master's program. Like you also get into a master's program right away. So I went to Brooklyn College, got a master's in education. And, um, and I was teaching. I, was te- I taught for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught for four years at one school. Mm-hmm. And that was good for me. This master's program was good for me in, in everything. Um, and then I moved to, I was married at the time and my husband was in the Navy. So he got stationed in San Diego. Then 
I was like, all right, so I'm going to have to move to San Diego now. What, what am I going to do in San Diego? Be a teacher, I guess, right? So I found out about um, High Tech High. And, and if you haven't heard of High Tech High, have you heard of High Tech High? No. It's crazy. They're like the classrooms are made of glass. There's no textbooks. They, the teacher, they don't hire math teachers. They hire engineers to teach students math. And um, they hire journalists from the local newspaper to come teach kids English. Like that's the kind of time they on. Um, so I, I taught at High Tech High and they also have a graduate program embedded within their high school. So I did a master's program in school leadership there and just like learn more about their theory and methodology of education, which was like mind blowing. And it's something that had never been sold to me and, and my people, you know, in education. So after I did that master's program, um, I did a fellowship for school creation and school leadership. And all, all of that path that kind of set me up to everything that I've been learning from my master's in education in New York to my master's in school leadership in San Diego, it kind of set me up to um, take everything I learned and create that in New York because that it, it didn't exist. I had never known about it. Even as an educator in New York, I had never conceptualized this free education and this um just the type of education that I, that I had learned about in all my experience. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to, my goal is to create a school in New York city that looks like everything I've learned. Um, and that's when I moved back to New York. I bought on my home girl that I knew from undergrad, Kendra Barnes. Um, I brought her on as my Dean of, um, school culture and we were a duo just writing grants, going to meetings, talking to city council, galvanizing, getting signatures, just like out and about really trying to make it happen, open a school. Um, but New York has a charter cap because New York is, if there's one place that's hard up on unions and like in process, it's New York, very bureaucratic. And that's just how it is. But um they have a charter cap of there can only be 400 charter schools in all of New York state. Oh, wow. And they were at like 396. Ooh. And in the, in the past, this charter cap had been like extended. Like the cap once was 200. They extended to 250, then 300, then, you know, but they weren't extending the cap this time. And I guess because it was election season or whatever else, but they weren't extending this cap. So we got a couple spots left and like 58 people were applying for these last spots. And these 58 groups were like success, achievement first, you know, these big charter networks. And we were just like little, it was me and her and a couple of people from the community in, on our board. It's just, it didn't work. So um, that was exhausting. That was hella exhausting. Um, and there was no summer break for me for a couple years. You know, there was no time off. It was full-time work all the time. It was what I was doing with my mind constantly. Like I was dreaming about it. And I really just needed to um, just like take a break and like be free from all of this constant work and thought about education and whatever else. And that's when... Um, because this is like in January, like January, 2019 okay. and the grants. Oh, wow. the, yeah. This is just last year. Wow. So the grants that I had written um, funded me for 
through the school year. So I was funded through that summer. Mm -hmm. And the charter, like the charter effort ended in January. So I had like from January to July to have my rent paid and my bills paid and, and kind of just like recalibrate myself and figure out like how I wanted to spend my life every day because before then my life every day was spent sending emails like typing up proposals finding grants like galvanizing a board organizing agendas like that's what I did 24 7 so I'm like all right so that's not that's not what I'm doing no more so what am I doing right now um a lot of that time was just self-care some of it was dancing, singing. Some of it was um, going out and seeing other people dance and sing. It was doing poetry. That, and this is how I started doing poetry. Okay. And I started doing poetry slams in New York. And I started winning poetry slams in New York. And I was like, ah, yeah. okay, I might yeah. do this. Like, this is cute. I like winning. So <laughs> I was winning poetry slams. And, um, and then I started rapping. It just like it just evolved from there. I started rapping and um, I got really good feedback. And I was like, okay, this is how I I could do this. Like, I, why not? I could rap. Somebody's gonna be a rapper. Like, why not me? I'm a rap. So I started rapping and it stuck and I liked it. So that's where I am right now. Now, of course, I'm still educating. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that research, all the time I spent creating my model, I didn't want to, even if it wasn't going to become a school right now, I didn't want to just like put it on a back burner. Okay. It's still very viable. Um, so as a researcher, I went to another charter school and proposed that I apply my research as an assistant principal. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I did last year. This year I'm in a different school applying my research. So it's really just... Um, so it's a little bit of uh, a little bit of both worlds. It's a little bit of both worlds. Like educate, I'm in. I'm not physically in school because of COVID, but every day I log on to my computer. I'm working with students. I'm working with other teachers every day. You know, from eight to three. So that's what I do with my days every day. And um, the and, and then music is always it's just like ubiquitous. You know, I'm just um before we got off this before we got on together i was actually playing my songs for another for a producer so it's it all just meshes together now always working i love it and so i'm i want to come back to the education piece a little bit later but i want to dive a little bit into the music so last night as my fiance and i were driving home i don't even remember i think we were listening to like jagged edge like back from like the two And we're just in the car vibing. I'm like, yo, they do not make music like this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in thinking about our conversation, one thing I enjoy about your music, it has a message. I can't tell you the last song I heard on a, a radio or on streaming that it weren't about twerking or, or pee-popping this or this, there, and the third, or shooting this or shooting that. Like, right. a song with a message. And I remember, you know, like, when you first dropped your first track, I was like, all right, here goes somebody else dropping a track. Let me, let me, it's a, <laughs> and I started listening. I was like, okay. So I listened to it again. And then I listened to it again. And then about the fifth time, you know, my fiance comes out like, bro, you going to change the song? I'm like, yo, do you? <laughs> and so I want to do a little, mix it up a little bit. So I want to, I want to like play through a couple clips of your songs. And I want you to, if you would like just, 
talk us through like what you were thinking of when you wrote oh wow okay i'm excited let's do it let's do it genius right now (laughs) a little something something you ready Mm -hmm. all right let me make sure my volume's up all right one of my favorites right here Well, so what? And what? Talk, talk us through what's going on through your mind when you were writing that. Like, like I can, like it's one of those things that I hear artists talk about this all the time. Like actually feeling the music, not only performing it, but actually like feeling it through your body. So talk us through your mind. Like, what's going on as you wrote that song, and also as you like you created that video. Okay, so, um, true story. Mm. Me and, I don't know if you know Leah, Leah Simone. I do, I do. Me and Leah were riding our bikes through Brooklyn, not a care in the world. Like, this was, it was just, it was, the weather was nice. It was spring. We were just riding our bikes and we were going back and forth just like making up random lines. Mm. And I wrote that whole first verse in like a two hour bike ride without writing it down. Just like, um, now I'm not just, it wasn't on no like off the top, I came up with a verse. Mm. It was kind of like, um, say what I want, political triggers. I'm a grown ass woman, also a real nigga. She was like, oh, that's fly, that's fly. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me see what else, let me see what else. And then I was adding on pieces and pieces until it became a verse. Mm. Um, later I might've went back and like cleaned up like a couple, a word or two, but it really came from feeling good. Like it just came from like feeling good, like just like chilling, just riding my bike through Brooklyn and just like feeling fun and funky and saying how I felt. Like I'm a grown ass woman, also a real nigga. Like that's just how I felt at the time. Um, in hindsight, I can like break it down and say like, oh, okay, yeah, like th- this is what this means and this is what that means. But that's not how, um, that's not how it started. That's not how it starts. Like the, the, I got mad voice notes and I got mad, um, like actual notes in my phone with just pieces and parts and lines and things that I think about that I just like jot down and write down and it all kind of comes together later. Anytime I try to do like a sustained writing session and try to like, you know, force out uh, like I'm going to come up with a verse right now or I'm going to come up with a song right now, it's always difficult and it's, it's never my best. And I think that when things that I really like, that bump that I hear, you know, I hear it back and I'm like, yeah, because I remember that feeling. I remember the feel how I felt when I was, when I was writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, conversely, I think uh, We The People, I did sit down and bust out a whole session on, on We The People. Talking about that, We The People. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, like, that was a sustained writing session. That was very thoughtful. That was like an essay that I, that I worked hard on. 
I definitely want to get this. Before we go to Stupid Heart, I, I do want to uh, snip this We the People because as I listened to the song, I thought about, you know, George Floyd. I thought about Breonna Taylor. I thought about all the countless names that we know and we don't know. I mm-hmm. thought about everything that has happened in this year that seems like a never-ending year and how for the past 400-plus years, we're constantly, constantly looked down upon, mm. constantly treated as lesser than. But somehow, somewhere, we always find a way to rise up. So I want to go ahead and play a snippet of this, and I want you to like, walk us through like the, the creation of this. Mm-hmm. The revolution celebrate. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed myself. Walk us through that. Um, allow me to reintroduce artists who speak about the truth and dropping knowledge for the youth. Mm. I mean, that says what it means. Um, I think that. Not, not allow me to reintroduce artists who speak about the truth. There is, there, there, artists who speak about the truth are in abundance. There are plenty. They're, they're, they're everywhere. They don't have, they're not platformed though. Mm. You know, there's not, um, there's not a, a, a big budget industry marketing, branding push to put artists who speak about the truth forward. Mm. Um, and to and to teach like future generations something, you know what I think? I think it's like authentically, what is authentically culture driven? Like what black people want to put out, what black people want to put forward mm-hmm. is is not what gets put forward. I think about all the female rappers and like how they like how they sound good, they look good, they um, like they even rap good, like their their ability to say words, like they rap good. Um but who decided that that's what that's who speak for me? <laughs> like who decided that that's who that's what I want to hear? And I'm feel I feel like a lot of um the big push for for artists right now is um is so limited mm-hmm. it's like there there there's a uh we're so dynamic we do so many things there's so many of us in so many different ways of course like we're we're a rainbow of people but that's not what's comfortable to like this mainstream. This mainstream is that we dancing and twerking and having fun and like th- this little pocket, like stay there. Um, but hello, I'm here to reclaim my juice <laughs> because um, there, I think that idea of artists who speak about the truth, dropping knowledge for the youth, the industry is pushing that for like logic and Mac Miller and, you know, and, and these like uh, other artists that are not people of that, that, that who created the sound. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm here to reclaim my juice because it started in the heart. Like it started with us. It started with black people. It started with us telling our story and putting our message forward. Mm-hmm. And 
it it just seems like that the message is not we don't have the platform for the message to come from us in the same way anymore um snap on these actors who sold out the culture i need reparations from you and all you motherfuckers because um i think the the blame and i say i, I think i mean blame is is to be put on the on those who are going with it mm. like who said i right, you need what you need all right i'll be that like i need I, I i need as a consumer like i need someone who's like no you're gonna give me this platform you're gonna give me this money you're gonna give me this support and i'm still gonna be the same nigga i was mm. like I, and if you if you say like no i'm not like, I'm not going to fight for that. I'm going to take the money and everything exchange for me being who you want me to be. That is you too. I need reparations from you too. <laughs> from, from the people who are benefiting that are not fighting for the culture. Um, that how much you made if our blood you've been sucking. If you ain't about it, then don't interrupt us. We breaking the structure. Little homie eating big brother. Ooh. Mad because we don't obey. Go mm. so some type of way. Plus, we got time today. <laughs> we got time. Like, it's all these things come together. Like, we feel some type of way. Plus, we got time today because we didn't always have time. Like, we've been grinding mad hard. We've been working so hard. Everybody been working so hard. We trying to get there. Like, we trying to get somewhere. It's always in the future. We're always grinding and, like, reaching towards something. But um, we was just chilling for a while. Like, you know, during quarantine, we was kind of just chilling and sitting back and watching. Everybody's on social media. We watching a lot of stuff. And that's, it's crazy that while everybody's at home chilling, that's when TikTok blew up. That wanted to keep us real, like, quiet and just, like, entertained, too. Mm-hmm. You know, TikTok wanted to keep us entertained. And the revolution wasn't really happening on TikTok. It was happening on a lot of different platforms, though. It was happening on Instagram, social media, but TikTok blew up to try to like push Instagram out. Um, yeah. So how much you made of our blood you've been sucking? If you ain't about it, then don't interrupt us. We break in the structure. Little homie eating big brother. Mad because we don't obey. We feel some type of way. Plus we got time today. Black berets. Uh-huh. Feeling like fuck a community if you don't own it challenge who really control it mm. land of the free but they still won't admit that it's stolen nigga stay focused mm. um yeah it's stay focused because there's this like so much to consider there's so much there's so much input and there's so many things that like are coming at us constantly and um we really got to stay focused. So stay focused on the revolution being televised. Cause I think now more than like it was ever possible. We're kind of, we're able to put out our own message. Like the revolution is televised that, and we never thought it would be like, if there was ever a time where we were, I think we just never conceptualized a time where rebellion against systems and against government and against um policing and an unfair society would be mainstream Mm. and there's an opportunity right now for it to be mainstream as long as we have control of what 
the, the image that we put out and we're a part of the movement that's how that's how the song really started i was um i traveled a little bit during quarantine hallelujah i never got coronavirus but i was in atlanta i was in um in charlotte um i went to rocky mount my mother still lives in rocky mount she's the only family i have in rocky mount so i gotta go back for her um but everywhere i went it was popping off mm. like it was popping off like people were letting their police system know their their governing system know that they wasn't having it like i see this and i'm not with it like i'm not allowing this to happen anymore and i'll be quiet mm. um and it just seems like i was I was like, like storm chasing it. Like everywhere I went, it was like, oh shit, it's popping here. I, ne next place, oh, it's popping here. Oh, what happened? Oh, it's popping here. I'm, let's go to this protest. Let's go to that protest. And everybody has their phones out and it's like the revolution is televised right now. It was like a moment like, oh shit, the revolution is televised. So that's kind of like just like where that idea came from once i got back to new york it was like okay i gotta like brain dump this and turn it into like a, a essay before before my mind just gets so clouded with all these things so yeah that's how we the people came about wow all right so i got one more for you this is this this i would have to say is one of my favorites and and you know it's like one of those songs that like you can jam to like when you like getting that work done or working out or just hanging out, but it's just the beat. It's the beat. <laughs> okay, okay. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Ride these beats in my in my bus. <laughs> they go hard. <laughs> Woo! Ah, uh, out the gate. Talk to us, like what? Mm. Tell, us, tell us how that came into creation. That was the same way. A bunch of a bunch of pieces and parts um, that I was like, all right, how I'm gonna put this? How I'm gonna put these together? Like a, a bunch of parts. You know what I have? I have like stand out like bars, like stand out quotable bars like that I put in my voice notes. I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. Like the next line, maybe I should smack the whack of hip hop. Like I'm, I wrote that down like, ooh, I should smack the whack of hip hop. Um, and and then later I come back and, and like see how all of these pieces fit together in a story and, and something that I'm saying. Um, so when i decided you know, i think everyone's always known me as reggie but um i i didn't think that people are like oh what's your name right like who are you what they can't really pronounce it r-e-g-i it looks funny mm -hmm. and when i started rapping people were kind of like who, who are you like who are you again because it was it was always in person it yeah. wasn't I was rapping before I put it online, mm. like Brooklyn and Queens, you can, there's plenty of opportunity to rap live. Um, so I was rapping live and performing live and doing poetry live before I ever put anything online. So 
um, that's where I started. And I felt like people really didn't know me or didn't like receive me at first until I started rapping. Cause I always had on dresses. I was usually coming from like maybe some, some kind of event or like work. And I had on like a blazer and like skirts and whatever. And who was this lady? Um, but that's how, <laughs> that's how I, I started with that first line. Like, when I get through with your crew, you'll be saying my whole name. Regina's on a rampage. She bodied the whole gang because it's very clicky. Like people know, like the rap scene is like people are known. Like there's there's these people that rap and, and they you know them. You see them regularly. And these people that rap and you know them and see them regularly. And then here I come like with my blazer and my skirt on. And people are like, who, who is this? Um... So that line, that's how I thought of that line. And I, I was just like, oh, that's a, like a banger opening line. Like, you're, if you ain't know me, you're going to know me. When I get through with your crew, you'll be saying my whole name. Regina's on a rampage. She bodied the whole gang. Because all I do is run. I know you're like too lame. So gracefully bow down and drain my campaign. So that was, yeah, that, that was just like me. Rap, at least New York rap, is very braggadocious. Like you gotta, like you gotta step in. Like what's up? You know, it's very braggadocious. Um, and yeah, that's just how I felt. Like writing that song, like I just had to let people know that it's it's all about like work. Like the it's, it's studenthood. Like you have to be, you have to be a student. You have to be a student of rap. Like you have to think of um of puns and things that like will stick in people's heads and then you got to figure out how to like craft like one piece of writing to fit into the next and then like a you know what line will lead back to the last one and it's it's about being a good student and a good writer and, and a good composer and um and I have a lot of faith in in, in my skill to, to do that so even though i was new i felt really confident because this is this song is like a real reflection of my journey mm -hmm. so even though i was new i felt confident like stepping into these rooms where a lot of people were like felt like it was their room mm -hmm. you know in brooklyn mm -hmm. a lot of people felt like it was their room and I was like walking into a room with super stupid hard. Like I felt confident walking into a room with super stupid hard. So, and so that's how I wrote that. I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. And so one thing that I, you know, I, I hear in your music, like there are all these like hidden messages, but they're not really hidden, right? Like they're in your face, you're talking about it, but you're saying it in such a smooth way that like it hits you and then it hits you. And so talk to us a little bit about, you know, where, where, where does your inspiration come from when you, um, when you write your music, when you perform your music, and when you just, when you feel your music? Whew. Okay. So um, at, at this point in not my artistry, I guess like in, in, in being an artist, because in being an artist, there's like just artistry, but as you progress in the, the act of being an artist then comes like business mm -hmm. and um i you know the the approach 
to be approached about writing, about writing for other people, to be approached about being a ghostwriter for big name rappers. It's like, ooh, um, there is, I, everybody can't say what I, what I say. <laughs> everybody can't say what I say. Um, I have a, I have a line, this is nothing that's published, but um, I say, please don't fix your mouth to say you what the culture wants. You don't speak for me, sis. You ain't got the life experience. According to my criteria, your boss inferior. Everybody can't say that. Mm. You don't speak for me, sis. Like some, you know, it's because it matters who's saying that mm -hmm. and who they're talking to or talking about. Mm -hmm. So, um, there is, I just try to write what's, what's like, can be really unique to me. Mm -hmm. I just try to find things that I think in my head is like, nobody else is thinking this, not because it's like so great or so awesome or anything like that, but because it's like really specifically unique to me and anyone can understand it if I say it for them clearly, but no one else would think of it because it only pertains to me. Mm. Um, that's, I think that's where when I write and I feel like, oh, this is gold, that's where my gold comes from. It's like nobody else would say this line because they just don't have the experience to say it. And um, it also how I write things, my, therefore my voice also. I got one line, I say, um, Twerking on the floor, knees ashy. When they play my song, I'm banshee. Soon as it go off, I'm back a scholar. Pearls in my ears, my wear a suit, mad prim and proper. Broach on my collar. So there's, with that, soon as it goes off, like talking about this song that when my song come on, I'm banshee. But soon as it go off, I'm back a scholar. Mm -hmm. Pearls in my ears, might wear a suit, mad prim and proper, brooch on my collar. Mm -hmm. I'm only, I can say that. And it, it only pertains to me because it only makes sense in my head. You know, so it's like, um, I can paint these stories and, and entertain people with like visual imagery, the way I say things. But what is like, what really grabs people is that they wouldn't have been able to paint that picture without me because it's only a story that it's like the, the picture that I painted. Gotcha. That's, that's where it comes from. Gotcha. Things that are unique to me and I'm, I'm telling the story well enough for anybody to be able to see it. Mm. Mm. And so I just want to take us back to where we started, right? You talked about your journey toward education, and then you also talked about your music. And, you know, I often think about it specifically within our communities, right? The Black community is this notion that, you know, as old as time, but it's still very relevant. You can only make it out the hood if you're hooping, uh, rapping, or slinging drugs, right? And so you've been able to pull that education piece, but then also pull that music piece. So talk about, uh, tell us a little bit about how your music intersects with the, uh, the education piece and how they work in a uh, combination with one another. Yeah. Um, well, what I think about artists, I, I think that artists that are on, the people, big names that you hear of, like even if, it doesn't matter who it is. 
anybody that you hear of that's a rapper that's an artist of any sort they're working hard they're working mad hard like they're they're putting out a lot of energy to do what they do um so i think that one is just like these people that you know that got out the hood in any way they're hard workers with hard work they could also apply that energy, that hard work to anything and kill that industry too. Mm-hmm. Like they, they could do that. Like Cardi B could have been a doctor. Like if, if that was where, like if those were the opportunities that she had, if those were the, the things that were set up for her, how smart Cardi B is, like she could have been a doctor, could have been a lawyer, like could have done all these things, but those weren't the opportunities that she had in front of her. Um, I, that's, that's what I think about about that. That anybody that you know that's an artist that that plays ball that does whatever else, they have the capacity to do anything. They could do anything, but um, they wh- whatever you see from them is what they've um, like how the stars align, how their skill and their opportunities and their talent and all those things, how they align in in this universe for them to do that. Me, on the other hand, I feel like um, what I want to do with my life is everything. <laughs> I want to do everything. Like, it's like, yes, I'm going to school. Uh, yes, I'm going, you know, getting these degrees. Yes, I'm, I'm becoming a teacher. Yes, I'm becoming a principal. What else can I do? Mm. Like, yes, I'm becoming a rapper. Okay, this is great. Let me get a Grammy. Now, what else can I do? Can I be an actor? I want a Golden Globe too. Like, yes, I'm going to be an actor. Like, can I pull, like, can I dance? I want to be a dancer. Can I be Beyonce's backup dancer? So it's, that's how I feel about my life, that I want to do, like, anything and everything that I can do. Um, And that I I can, I can do anything and everything that I, that I can do. Like, I can, I can do them all. So that's what I'm going for. You know, it's not, it just so happens that I decided to rap, but I think it would have been equally as valuable if I decided to go to like trade school and become a mechanic. Like that would have been crazy. Like what? It's you are, you're a teacher and you're a principal, you're a mechanic. Like you could be a mechanic. That's crazy that you could do that. If I decided to drive, you know, 18 wheelers or ride motorcycles or whatever else you do that too. Like that's the kind of just life I want to lead just pursuing every lane that I can and seeing how it feels. And if I like it, then I'm gonna keep doing that. And if I don't like it, well, I did that. And let me see what else I could do. Wow. Wow. And so I guess my last and final question is, you know, what's next for Regina Glover, AKA Reggie Angel, <laughs> the beat? Um, well, this, for me, it, it like I decided to do music. Like I said, when I just, you know, I was just trying things, just filling my beat and seeing where life goes. And I decided to do music. It it seemed like the right, right now, it feels like miraculously, I decided to do the right thing at the right time in the right way for the right people to like see and for things to just happen because um, it seems like this is something that I'm, I'm gonna be able to like sustain, like just with my, it's not so forced for me, like I can, it's still work, but 
I, I can keep rapping. Like I can keep writing raps. I can keep performing. Like I'm, like I'm a performer. I'm kind of built for that. Like I could perform. I can continue doing that with my capacity. And also I think like financially it will be sustainable for me. It feels like this will be um, a viable career as viable or more than being a principal. So um, that will, that will, this will probably be a long-term thing for me and not just artistry, but I think not just uh, music, but um, I think it's creating a path for me to just be an artist, like on some childish Gambino type, like, mm -hmm. let me see if I can, you know, get my music in some movies oh do you need an actor in the movie too like do you maybe i can write my own series i've been taking master classes shonda rom's got a master class it's amazing like you know just artistry keep keep on creating and for as long as i can i'm not gonna stop my day job and that's education so that i can continue to just be free and be an artist um because right now music is only costing me money Honestly, it's I, I work during the daytime so that I can pay for being an artist, but um, that's fine for me. Like I feel like that's that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like I'm, you know, maintaining my ability to be an artist because it is expensive, mm -hmm. and it's what 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 a lot of people see like the um, the money that comes from artistry that's something that happens later and that happens for few people. Um, and that's, that's fine. You know, if you want to, if you want to be an artist and I do want to be an artist, there's a certain amount of investment you have to make in yourself. And I've been making that. Um, but it feels like I'm going to be able to continue doing this for a long time. That's beautiful. Reggie, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We greatly enjoyed this conversation. Again, my friend, it's so good to see you and see you thriving and doing well and excellent. And for all of, all of those of you at home, if you've not listened to Reggie's music yet, get on YouTube. It's on Apple Music. Heck me <laughs> Let me let you tell them where they can find your stuff because it's, it's dope. It's, oh, I'm everywhere, baby. I'm everywhere. It's, it's on Spotify. I mean, it's if you don't have any, any of those services, it's on YouTube. It's on like SoundCloud and you know, feel free to, to go where it's free. Um, but if you're paying for a service, it's on Spotify, Tidal, and everything else. Um, yeah, you you might see me on some some shows. So remember this name. Remember the, remember Reggie Angelo, because you might see me in other places. <laughs> Thank you so much, Reggie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and really took something from it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe, like, and share this episode. Our goal on this podcast is to highlight and give a voice to the Black community by bringing phenomenal individuals who are creating and charting paths toward greatness. And through your support, we can continue to change lives. Thanks again. And don't miss the next episode of the Voices of Black Folk podcast. I'm your host, Will Anyu.